Uh, I'm really excited for tonight because uh, what we're doing through the summer is I'm teaching two Sundays, and then we're having somebody from our church family share their story about how they got to know God. And so two weeks ago, I talked about God being our Father. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so uh, I've been praying the last couple of weeks, I hope you have been too, with the, with the idea and the understanding that God really is like my dad. And then last week, if you were with us, I talked about El Shaddai, one of those Old Testament names for God. God all-powerful, the God that can do anything. He can destroy, he can create, he's, he's more powerful than any force in the cosmos. And I've been praying that way this week, too, asking God to move heaven and earth for some miracles. And so that's where we've been. And tonight, Terry's going to be sharing her story. But before we go, uh, we have to start with the scripture from Psalm 150. If you've been with us, you remember this? Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And you can say, I saw one person try to stand. Maybe you'll do better if we do it in Hebrew. All right. Better in Hebrew? All right, here we go. Neshama, halal yah. Oh, I wish the Sunday morning group could take a lesson from you guys. Very good. Neshama, halal yah. Two times in a row. Excellent. All right. Would you guys give a very warm welcome? I know your hands are full, but could you at least cheer or something for Terry Cassins as she comes to share tonight? Good evening, everybody. I've been looking forward to sharing my testimony with all of you and just, I guess, giving everybody a little bit of a glimpse into my life and it'll help you get to know me better and me get to know you better as we all get to know God better as we learn of his name. So it's, it's a good thing. I wanted to start with a scripture, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I think that's so true for all of us. God knew us before we were ever born. He had a plan for us before we were ever born. And he knew. He just he knows the end from the beginning and he knows what we're going to go through and he has a plan for us. So you can put up that first photo. I grew up in Wisconsin. That's me and my older brother Troy. I look very sophisticated for a newborn, right? <laughs> like I'm having some kind of a great conversation with the family. <laughs> that the, the edge was cut off, but there was a date stamp on there that said November of 69, which is the month I was born. So I was not even a month old in that picture. <clears throat> and so I grew up in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, a small town. And I grew up in a religious home. I was raised in the Lutheran Church, and my parents were very faithful to the Lutheran Church. We also, all of the kids in my family, you can put up the other pictures. I have two older brothers and a younger sister, total 70s kids, sporting the, the plaid bell bottoms and the mullet. Can't go wrong. If you missed the 70s, you missed a fashion statement for sure. So my family... <laughs> was very committed to the Lutheran Church, and we went every week, and I don't know that 
I ever really knew God in spite of going to church in the Lutheran church because I don't know that I ever really had good examples as parents. My parents both smoked. My dad cussed like a sailor. And um, my dad wasn't necessarily a, a real friendly guy. He, he tended to be somewhat abusive, especially with his words, somewhat physically, especially with my older brother. And my mom often numbed herself with food. I did call her this afternoon, by the way, and told her what I was saying about her. And she said, you know, it's okay. I know. I was there. <laughs> and uh, so my mom wasn't always around emotionally, I guess, because she did. She had a problem with food. She ate herself into oblivion a lot a lot of times. And her drug of choice, as I was telling people this morning, was a two-pound ba- two bag of M&Ms. She would buy them and just eat a lot of them. And when us kids would ask for Kids love M&M's. Can we have some M&M's? She'd give us like two. Really? (laughs) But I do remember as a small child that I knew that I could go to God for anything. Because my family was, you know, we we did go to church, so I knew a little bit about God. I didn't didn't know him then, then like I know him now. But I did know enough that I could talk to him. And I think I had some good Sunday school teachers that let me know that I could just talk to him as a friend. And when I was very young, I remember having a conversation with God, and my mom caught it on tape, on one of those old-time reel-to-reel tapes that I wish we had. But, you know, it was, it was neat, because I was very young, and I was just having a conversation with God, and that's how I still talk to him today. I just have conversations with him. He knows my heart anyway, so there's no sense in in making it fake or trying to get fancy with my words or anything. I just just talk to him. So I had a fairly normal childhood, give or take a few odd things, but after I graduated from high school, my life changed in a very big way. You can put up the next picture. This is my sister, Tara, and about a month after I graduated from high school, she was murdered. She was abducted and murdered, and her body was found actually on the 4th of July, 24 years ago. And she was 14. I'll always remember her as 14, and she was a great kid, and we were best friends our whole lives growing up. And obviously, this was a really difficult time in my family, for my family. At the time that my sister died, my parents were separated. My two older brothers had moved out of the house. And my sister and I, uh, my, my mom had actually moved out of the house when my parents were separated. And my sister and I lived at home with my dad. And for the first year, my dad was the prime suspect. And I just remember... Because my mom had moved out, I had gone on the 4th of July to go spend the weekend with her and see the fireworks, and there's a lot about that time that I don't remember that's actually blocked out, blocked out of my memory, but I'll never forget when the police came to the door after my sister had been missing for four days, and they came to the door and they told my mom, Mrs. Cassins, we found your daughter, and my mom was, oh, that's great, how is she? And they said... I'm sorry, she was dead. And I knew in that moment 
when my mom fell to the ground and let out a wail that I will never forget that my life would never be the same. And it was, it was a really difficult time. And I stopped going to church at that time. And I don't know that I was very angry at God. I don't know that there was necessarily anger there. I was angry, but I was angry that my life had changed. But I, I think I felt that I couldn't really trust God anymore. And that was the hardest part. I didn't want to go back because I didn't feel like I could let him in. Because I was so angry at how my life had changed. You know, this was a pretty... When you graduate from high school, it's kind of a pivotal time in your life. All my friends were going on to college. And I had wanted to go to college so bad. And just due to the circumstances, it wasn't working out for me. So I did what any 18-year-old girl would do that wanted to go to college. I joined the Army. And <laughs> hoped that I would be able to use the GI Bill someday to go to college. That never quite worked out for me, but it was at this time, and I was in the reserves, by the way, so I went to basic training in AIT, and then I went back home and did my weekend thing. <clears throat> but I know at this time, this was not a real good time in my life. I probably joined within six months of my sister's death, and you know they say after any major trauma, you shouldn't do anything for a year. Definitely don't join the Army six months after a major trauma when drill sergeants are screaming at you. Not a good thing. But in AIT, there was a lot more freedom, and, and I, you know, I grew up in a home that with parents that smoked. I started smoking when I was 16. I was drinking pretty heavily by the time I got to AIT and had that level of freedom. And I just wasn't, I wasn't living a godly life by any stretch of the imagination. And I know it, it was at that time that Satan really wanted my soul, and he wanted, and I think he does try to get us when we're most vulnerable. And I was definitely vulnerable at that time. And the Bible says in Luke twenty-two thirty-one to 32, Satan has asked, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And Satan wanted to sift me like wheat. I know that. After I got back from AIT, I was hanging out with a bunch of friends and I tried to straighten my life out a little bit, but I was hanging out with this one friend in particular that I, I don't think he even really knew what he was getting into, but he was pretty much getting into the occult and was telling me about these out-of-body experiences that he was having and how cool it was and how he could make things happen and he could, like, he had wished something bad on something on somebody and it had happened and he could, and at that time he told me that he could take me to see my sister and I just missed her so much. I was just so lonely for her that it sounded pretty good. And I, I w got together with him one night, and he was doing whatever kind of weird stuff, like just hold my hand and close your eyes and clear your mind and all this kind of weird stuff. And it never worked. I never got to see my sister again. And it's okay, because looking back on that, I know it's because Jesus prayed for me. He prayed for my soul. Satan wanted to sift me like wheat, but Jesus wouldn't let me. And I'm so grateful for that.
because when I was most vulnerable, God knew where I was at, and he had his hand on me. So it was also at this time that my relationship with my mom, we'd never been really close, but it really started to deteriorate after my sister's death, and my dad wasn't really in the picture anymore. And uh, I had just started dating somebody, and I had had moved to a different town where my mom had been living when she had moved out, and so I had no friends in, in this new town or anything, and and my mom kicked me out because we just fought nonstop. And so I moved in with my boyfriend who was living at home with his parents, and I don't condone that behavior, but I look back on that, and I just think God knew, again, where I was at, because I... I'd lost my parents at the same time I lost my sister. And Joe's parents were there for me. They took me in and, and just treated me like one of their own, and I needed that at that particular time in my life. I needed a mom and a dad again. Well, that relationship didn't quite work out. After a couple of years, we broke up, and it was about that time that I decided I would like to fulfill a dream of moving west because. I have all my life loved John Denver. He's like one of his biggest fans. (laughs) I'm not lying. (laughs) And right before I moved to Colorado, I had met a man in Wisconsin that I had started seeing. And he had plans to move to Bozeman, Montana to go to college, and I had plans to move to Colorado somewhere. I didn't really have good plans. I just knew I was putting everything I owned in my car and driving west. And so I ended up in Golden, Colorado. He came to Bozeman, Montana. We had a long-distance relationship for about three months, and then he talked me into moving to Montana with the simple phrase, there are mountains here too. Okay. (laughs) So once in Montana, I moved in with Eric, and this is when I found the Lord. I started college. My mom had just started attending a Pentecostal church in Wisconsin, and she'd called me up. She was so excited. She had found something that just really just hit home for her, and she was so excited, and she called me, and she she was like, you know, I've just been going to this church, and it's so wonderful, and it's so great, and there's one in Bozeman. And so I was pretty hungry at that time in my life. I knew that something was missing, and I had started going and visiting some churches, but I had a really hard time every time I would go just bawl my eyes out. And so I called the Pentecostal Church in Bozeman and found out when their services were. And at that point, I was on their radar, and they started praying for me. And then I visited the service one day and and decided I would take a Bible study. And was so excited because I was really starting to learn things in the Bible that I'd never known before. And I thought I knew a lot about the Bible growing up in this Lutheran home and going to the parochial school. and it was, it was part of my childhood. But I was learning things I did not know were in the Bible. And I was so excited. And I would come home after my Bible study and tell my boyfriend all about what I was learning about. And he was kind of really freaked out. Not at all raised in a Christian home or pretty much um, agnostic. And so he figured he had two choices. He was either going to break up with me or he was going to start going to the Bible study and prove this church wrong. And he decided to start taking that Bible study 
to learn everything he could and prove that church wrong. And after a few months, he realized that they were kind of following the Bible like it's written, and he'd never really seen that before. And so it was that we both found the Lord. And this was in about February of 1992 that I was baptized and received the gift of the Holy Spirit and with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, which I think is a pretty cool thing. And about a month later, Eric did. And about a month after that, we got married. And we're married for 16 years, which I'll talk more about later. And so life was pretty good at that point. We were going to college, newlyweds. It was exciting. And after college, my husband got an offer for a job in Oregon, so we decided to move to Oregon. And I always forget this part, but I need to back up and tell you that when I was in AIT, in, back in the Army, in AIT, it was almost exactly a year after my sister had been murdered, they found the murderer. And he was, he was found in Massachusetts. He was molesting a 13-year-old girl in the back of a van and a police, over, police officer pulled over. And, and thank God that he did because he probably saved that girl's life. And thank God that they caught him, and they uh, they found a newspaper clipping of my sister's death in his glove compartment or his wallet or something like that. So he was a serial killer kind of type of guy and just kind of did that sort of thing. And so they did find the killer, which was great news for my dad and for my family, and it put some closure there. And it was about... Eight years after my sister died, when I was a junior in college, that he went to trial for my sister's death. And we, ha we had the option to go back for that, but I, I did not. My parents went to the trial, but I did not. But I think because it was all kind of coming up again, you know, there was, my parents were talking about it, um, it stirred up some things in me, and I was now in a new state and graduated from college, and I was really going through a hard time. There was a lot of stress in my life, and and I was just, I was struggling with forgiveness. Honestly, I was very angry, very bitter about a lot of things, not very trusting of people, and I just talked to my pastor out there and asked if I could meet with him, and I was disturbed because in the Bible, in Matthew 6.15, it says, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I was getting kind of stuck there. I met with my pastor, and I said, Is that true? And I just almost see the pain in his face when he was like, Yeah, it's true. And, you know, that's, that's the Bible. That's God's word. And, you know, Forgiveness is a big part of how we live. And I didn't really feel like it was fair, but I also knew that it was something that was holding me back. I, I knew just how I was feeling wasn't right and that I needed to get past this. And so I met with my pastor for a while, and he gave me some wonderful scriptures and psalms to read and just meditate on. And I prayed every day for God's help because I knew that I would not be able to forgive this man on my own. I knew that it wasn't going to come from me. By any, in any way. And I prayed every day. And I would say several months went by, and I finally feel like I, I found a place of forgiveness for James Duquette. And 
when I did, I, it was like a weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. I felt free again, and it was not an easy thing. And, and I just know it was by the grace of God because he really showed me that I'm no better than this man, James Duquette, who killed my sister. I'm no better. Uh, we all are sinners, and we all need God, and we all need God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And without it, we're not going to heaven. And that's just God's word. And so life goes on, and it ebbs and flows, and you go through good times and you go through bad times. But I had made some progress in my life. I had come to a place of forgiveness, and I think it was in 1999, my husband and I moved back to Montana. We just really missed living here. And we looked for every opportunity to come back, and we did in 1999, and I've been back. We've both been back ever since. And it was in 2001 that I was diagnosed with cancer. I had a mole on my side that I went in to have checked out and found out that it was melanoma, which is a very deadly form of cancer. And thank God it wasn't worse than it was. We caught it early, and I had a couple of surgeries, and I never had to have any radiation or anything like that. just went to the doctor a lot, and, and, and so that's all good, but it was really a difficult time at the time. And then about seven years after that, six years after that, I guess in 2007, my husband and I were celebrating our 15th anniversary, went to Hawaii, and I came back, and he said, I want a divorce. And I was stunned, and tried to figure out what was going on, and he finally shared with me that he had had an affair and that he just wanted out because we had a bad marriage. And so again, I was going through a really rough time, and I would just talk to God and say, haven't I been through enough? Isn't it enough? But I always knew that he was there for me. And it was actually shortly after my divorce that I think my, my faith grew stronger than it's ever been in my entire life. I prayed every single day that God would change my husband's mind. I told him that I forgave him. Not because I'm a weak person, not because I didn't have any other options, but because God had showed me forgiveness. Because I'd felt like I had forgiven more difficult things in my life. And I felt like 15 years was a lot of time to just throw something away. And so my husband did change his mind, said we could try to work it out, and we, and we tried to make it work it out, make, make it work. It did not. But it was through those times that I held on to just scriptures that God gave me in Isaiah 61.3, it says that um, God will give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And I've noticed in a lot of the scriptures that I've found very encouraging a talk about sadness or God helping us. They often end with that God will be glorified. And I believe that, you know, when we go through hard times, God knows exactly where we're at, and he wants to help us through those good times, or through those bad times. 
until we get to a good place, that we might glorify him, that we might help somebody else, because there's always people struggling. My story might have some sad things in it, but it's no, you know, we all have our crosses to bear. Everybody's been through stuff. I'm very well aware that there are always people that have been through worse things that I've been through. But God knows where each and every one of us are at, and he allows us to go through things that we might encourage other people that are going through things. And it's for his glory. It's to give God glory. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And I know there are times when we go through really rough times and we don't feel like they're very light or very momentary, but really in the grand scheme of things, compared to eternity, they are light and they are momentary, even if they last a long time. God will see us through. He always knows where we're at. And I've held on to that scripture a lot through many things that I've been through. And I just, I always know that it's achieving in me an eternal glory. And I think, you know, I've looked back on my life and I, I know I've been through some things and I know that I've, I've talked to God a lot about it, but I know that I've purposed in my heart that I would grow through these opportunities or through the challenges and allow them to become opportunities in my life. I always wanted God to build a character in me. And I think it, a big part of that is because I saw what my sister's death did to my, my parents, especially my mom. I feel like she really gave up on life after my sister died. And she even, she was just out here visiting about a week ago. And we were talking one night, and, and she even said that she feels like she's wasted a good part of her life because she just really gave up on life after my sister died. And when I saw... I think the impact that it had on my mom, I knew that I never wanted it to affect me that way. And I think more importantly, I knew that my sister would not have wanted us to live that way. You know, if she had an opportunity to come back here and talk to us for a couple minutes, she would have wanted us to go on with our lives and be happy and, and you know, live for God. You know, I really, I believe with all my heart she's in heaven. I believe I'm going to see her again. And that encourages me. And I... I want to just live the best life that I can and turn every challenge into an opportunity for growth because I know that, I guess I, I just want my sister to be proud of me, bottom line, <laughs> and God. But, you know, and my sister is like that, that hole in my heart my entire life that has motivated me. There's another scripture in Jeremiah that I've held on to a lot over the years and through different things in Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I've held on so tightly to those words sometimes because I knew God just had something better for me. I had to hope that. There were times that that's all... I could hope for because I didn't feel like it could possibly get any worse. It had to get better. So I held on to those promises of God and I, I looked in the word for that. There were also over the years, you know, God 
I've heard people over the years talk about how God is so personal to them, how he has spoken to them individually. I didn't really ever feel that way, I guess, for myself. I mean, I was starting to know God, but I never really felt like he talked to me, like he knew exactly where I was and spoke to me personally until the last few years since my divorce. And God really has shown me how he knows where I'm at. Terry Cassens in Bozeman, Montana, he knows exactly where I'm at. And it's just been so encouraging to me. When I was going through my divorce, when my husband and I were separated, he was pretty much, we were still living under the same roof in, in two different bedrooms, and he just didn't come home very much at all. And I would come home every day. We had five dogs. Somebody had to watch the dogs. And so I would come home, and I would walk the dogs. And we had some acreage out by Bozeman Pass. And so I would be walking our dogs, and almost every day, a hummingbird would come and land on a branch. And I don't think it was always the same hummingbird. We can kind of go through all of those. But this happened almost every day, and I thought it was so odd. I mean, you don't see hummingbirds land very often, and certainly not when a girl's walking by with five dogs. And <laughs> But I love birds, and I just felt like God whispered to me at some point that that was a promise to me, that he knew exactly where I was at, and he, everything was going to be okay. He just, every time I saw that, it encouraged me. And every single day when I was walking my dogs, one of those, and if it wasn't like on the way up when I was coming down, that hummingbird would land right on that branch. And it was, it just encouraged me. It helped me through a really rough time. And, and that's not a scripture, but it, it was something, it's, it's like Pastor Russ was saying, you know, sometimes we need God with skin. Sometimes we need God with feathers. Sometimes we just need something that you can touch or see, you know, that, that lets you know that God just knows where I'm at. There was another, I guess, this last year, I kind of haven't gone into that, but I I went through a difficult time this last year from about May of 2010 to May of 2011, where I had kind of been through a breakup. A few months after that, my very beloved dog passed away, who just was my heart and soul, and right about the time that my dog passed away, my knee swelled up to about three times its normal size, and I'm a runner, absolutely love to run, and I couldn't run, and I just felt at that time that God was taking away all these things that I loved, and again, I was like, God, why are you doing this? Why are you taking away all these things that I love? What are you, you know, I don't understand, and I struggled for a year, and, you know, just continued to pray and read the word, but I just didn't understand. I didn't understand what God was trying to do in my life, and I just I tried to look for the opportunities, and I, I just I didn't see where it was going. But several months ago, God whispered a scripture to me in Isaiah forty thirty one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a really common scripture. All of us have probably heard that. But when he gave me that scripture, about the only thing I saw, I heard in there is, they shall run and not be weary. <laughs> and I was so excited. I just felt like God was telling me, 
that I was going to be able to run again, that my knee would be okay, and that I would be able to do what I what I love to do. And right now I'm training for the ridge run. If any of you know what that is, it's 20 miles along the ridge. And um, it's been a little grueling. Had a little bit of a spill yesterday while I was training, but I'm running again, and I absolutely love it, and I'm, I'm thrilled. So thankful to God for that. When I was going through that difficult time this last year, I met with Chris at one point, and I just love her. And she told me when she's been through difficult times that she goes to the Psalms a lot and finds comfort there. And so I thought, that's a great idea. So I went home, and the next morning I got out my Bible, and I opened it up to Psalm 13, and I just was dumbfounded at, again, the Lord giving me a scripture that was so personal to me. It says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart, every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. And what I saw in that scripture that was so personal to me was in verse 3 where it says, Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. And again, looking back on my childhood, when I was in second grade, my teacher wrote in my yearbook, I will never forget your smiling eyes. And it just kind of resonated in my family. It kind of became a little nickname for me. And back in the day when, before cell phones, when people had CB radios, my dad had <laughs> my dad had a CB radio, and so all of us kids had our little handle, and my handle was smiling eyes, and and there were a lot of years in my life where my eyes weren't smiling. I had lost that. I knew I wanted that back. When God gave me that scripture, it just struck me, and I felt the same way. No, God, restore the sparkle to my eye or I will die. And he has. He's starting to bring me out of it. I'm running again, and that's a great thing. <laughs> and, you know, I just, it's just so amazing. You know, I look back, and I, I know I get, I've gotten emotional a lot. And it's not really because I'm so sad. It's mostly because I'm so in awe of God and so incredibly I mean, speechless sometimes, that he just knows exactly where we're at, and he knows what we're going through, and he wants us. He just wants the best for us. And so, through a lot of the difficult times, like I said, I've always just talked to God and just been very real with him. And I've prayed so many prayers over the last year and over the years of my life, where I've just said, God, I don't have the words to say. I don't even know what to say right now. All I know is I need you. I need your help. And it was at those times that God spoke to my heart, and he would give me the promises, or he would show me the hummingbird, or or whatever. And it was also at the, um, in those times that I learned to listen to God, that if you don't have the words to say, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes he just wants us to listen to him so that he can speak to us and encourage us. That's about all I have.
What a great story, huh? I want us to wrap up tonight by just um, sharing together as a church family what we hear God saying to us through Terry's story. Um, and, and I don't know that I've ever shared this before uh, with our church family before, but when I'm teaching, I have a number of questions that I always ask myself when I'm preparing. One of the questions is, what do I want people to know? And so when I'm teaching, I'm, I'm always trying to impart some information. I want you to know something. But then another one of the questions that I ask myself is, what do I want people to do? Once they've learned this information, what do I want them to do? And so you've probably noticed if you attend here regularly that I usually give you some next steps, you know, and there's a list of things that I hope you will do in response to what you've learned on a Sunday. And, and so tonight I just want to ask you uh, to respond to what Terry shared tonight in her story. And, and I want to ask you what you've learned tonight about getting to know God. And then also, what is God asking you or what is God asking us to do in response to his word that's been shared through Terry's story tonight? So I'll give you an example. All right. I learned tonight that uh, M&Ms are a drug and I need to go to rehab. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love that part of the story, though. <laughs> um, on a serious note, uh, when Terry and I were sharing earlier in the week and, and we were putting together all the scriptures and the pictures and stuff, uh, she got to the end of her presentation and she was talking to me just one-on-one -on -one about how when she gets stuck uh, in her relationship with the Lord and God seems distant, she has learned to say, God, I just don't have any words. And she's learned to wait in God's presence. That has helped me just this week. Because I know myself that when I feel like God is distant and I feel like there's just a wall between me and heaven, sometimes I just quit praying, you know. And I know that that's not very spiritual as a pastor to confess to you, but it's just real. I just, I get kind of frustrated and I just quit. And uh, I feel like God has helped me through Terry to say, and I've already done it this week once, I just sat on the couch one morning this week and I said, God, I don't have any words. And then I just sat there and listened. And I had a really cool experience this week because as soon as I shut up and stopped flapping my jaw, he started speaking to me. It was awesome. And, uh, and I really appreciate that, Terry. Thank you for that. And thank you, Lord, for speaking through Terry to me. So I, I'd love it if some of you would just... Um, stand and tell me what you're hearing tonight. What did you learn tonight? And, and what is God calling us to do in response to what you learned?